a lot of people who watch, um, and I want to clarify something about that. Here's what we're doing with the covenant reaffirmation. It is not, do not use the word prioritizing some people over other people in terms of ministry. That is not what this is about. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, when the Holy Spirit came, um, they said this to the, God said this to the apostles. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the rest of the world. And what we're trying to do is have a new renewal of, okay, what is our home base? We will continue to do ministry all around as, as God supplies to anybody and everybody we can reach out to. Um, but we want to identify, okay, where, what is home? Who is home base and who is a heart part of home base? So that's what that's all about as we just join together trying to figure out, okay, where are we at in this new stage of life and, and who is in and who... Who's apart? And then let's go and let's reach the ends of the world. Does that make sense? So I want to clarify that just real quick. If you have any more questions about that, please come find me after the service. Find Tyler, find one of the elders, and we would love to answer any questions you got. So welcome uh, to Safe Haven. Um, if I don't know you, uh, my name's Tyler. I get the great privilege to serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, we are so grateful to have you um, this morning. And so we're continuing on in our G4 vision series, as Troy has already alluded to. But today, specifically, we're going to be looking at the topic of grow. So if you have your Bible, um, I would invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We'll kind of be hanging out in, the, in one verse, but um, we'll read the, ver- uh, the whole passage together. So thus far, where we've been, like I've already said, Week one, we looked at Genesis and how we are an expositional church, how by nature this is not what we do. <laughs> we are not topical by nature. Um, pairing a, preparing a topical message for me is as awkward as a $2 bill. I'm just being transparent with you. It's tough. It's difficult, Troy. <laughs> you can test it. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, but we normally go verse by verse through books of the Bible. Um, week two, we looked at going. What does it look like for us to give our lives both in local mission to our community and to schools and to, to our neighbors and then also abroad and how we're, Lord willing, looking at planning uh, foreign mission trips, maybe to Russia, Poland, different places in 2022. Last week, Troy looked at giving, the biblical command of giving, and then also in the same vein how we as a church steward the gifts that we have been gifted. And brother, I think you did a phenomenal job by the grace of God with that passage. And I just wanted to say that publicly. Thank you for that. Um, so I know it's all Jesus. And so today we're going to look at um, growing. And so what does that look like both personally and communally? And what does that look like with both God and with one another? So that's kind of going to be what, what we look at today. So every year, uh, me and Heather are required through her insurance to go get a yearly checkup. Well, we're not really required. We are just required if we want the $50 discount off of our premium. And we want that $50 discount, so therefore we are required. Um, and so um, before we ever get into, whenever I go in to see the doctor, before he ever gets into the details of getting blood work, which is the worst, um, before he ever checks my heart, pr- my heart rate and my blood pressure and all that fun stuff, he generally asks me three questions, a series of questions, and it's kind of depressing because I have bad answers for all of them. He always asks what my diet is like, and for those of you who know me, my diet is terrible. Um, so I want to crawl under the table at that point. And then he asked, well, do you exercise? I'm like, well, I did in high school, but not since then. Um, and then he'll ask, well, what does your sleep pattern look like? 
I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and another one on the way. So I'll let you put the pieces together for that. And so I say all that to say because this is the doctor is trying to diagnose my physical vitality by looking at my lifestyle. What am I feeding myself? What am I getting into? And in the same vein, I think our brother Luke in the book of Acts, who penned the book of Acts, gives us some diagnostics to examine our health and our spiritual vitality. Um, and our growth by looking at this descriptive passage of the first Christian community. And so where to start? It's still up on the screen. Um, contextually, here's what's happening in the book of Acts. Um, Jesus has, he has risen from the grave. He's appeared to many. Um, he's appeared to his disciples. He's ascended into heaven. Um, and these Jews are flooding into Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost. And so the Feast of Pentecost was a, a feast originally where they would have come and they would have celebrated the Lord um, and His provisional grace in giving them the first fruits of their wheat harvest. And then it would have continued on after that um, to turn into more of a... They, they celebrated the, uh, the fact of God meeting with Moses at Sinai and giving them the law. That's what it kind of turned into. And so the Jews were flooding into Jerusalem for this festival. But in Acts chapter 2, a really unique thing happened At this day of Pentecost, a huge promise was fulfilled. See, in the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, we see God promises to pour out His Holy Spirit, pour out His Spirit on all of flesh. So we see this promise in the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, in Acts 2, the promise is fulfilled. In the New Testament, we see Jesus teach about the coming of His Holy Spirit. In John 14 through 16, Jesus actually says this. Remember, Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, the King of all kings, the one we celebrate, the one who rules all. He says, it is to your advantage, it is to our advantage that He goes so the Helper may come. Those are some bold words coming from Jesus. And the New Testament makes it clear that the Holy Spirit, He's the one who regenerates us, John chapter 3. He indwells us. He convicts us of sin. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's our leader. Uh, John 15 tells us He's the one who uh, bears testimony to who Christ is within us. He points us to Jesus. He grants us wisdom. He sanctifies us. He grows us. And He equips His people with gifts and grows us, 1 Corinthians 12. And I start here... Because you need a gospel foundation for us to build on. And that's this. All growth within us is a gracious work of the Holy Spirit. That is the basis for all growth. It is Him. God is the agent of growth. As Troy said earlier, we are the witnesses to what God has done in us. And so this leads us to worship and not arrogance. Because it's really easy when we dive into talking about growth, like, oh, I've read these books, I've dove into these books, I know the riches of the gospel, I know all these things, and it's really easy to be like, let me teach you a little something, something. (laughs) Well, based on Scripture, the only reason you can teach anybody anything is because the Holy Spirit made you see it first, okay? And so um, it leads us to worship. And so since Jesus has blessed His church by giving us His Holy Spirit within us, granting us gifts... We currently live in the age of the Spirit. And so, therefore, these events like Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is not just good church history. It has abiding significance for us in 2022. Why? Because the Holy Spirit did not just come and show up. The Holy Spirit came and He stayed. And that's huge, church. 
And so if you're in this room and you're a believer, you have that same Holy Spirit who has gifted you and who is equipping you for gospel growth. That's where you have to start. And if you don't get that, you'll miss the whole sermon. You'll feel burdened by it, thinking it's a bunch of things you have to do instead of it's a grace gift from the Lord of things you get to participate with Him in. It's a grace. Gospel growth is a lot like my brother Eugene Peterson says. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's a slow treading in the same direction. Our growth and sanctification is not a microwave process. It is like a good slow cooker stew of the Holy Spirit's gospel work within us over a lifetime to cause us to love what He loves, to value what He values, to pursue what He pursues. And so, to that end, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Be on the screen. We're going to hang out in verse 42, but I want to read the whole thing. It says this, And they, being the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, and they received with their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And so three things that I think we can see that these early believers were devoted to that the Lord grows within us for gospel growth. The first is this. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. Gospel growth happens by us being devoted to the Word of God. I don't think Luke listed that in that list coincidentally. I think he's very intentional in listing the word as the first and foremost priority. The early church was firmly planted in the word of God. And this has been the case for faithful Christianity for the last 2,000 years. The scriptures, they're the holy, authoritative, inspired word of God to build us up. And they have been preserved without error by God's grace. And this is not just coming from Tyler. This is all in the pages of scriptures. Throw it up there for me, Tuck. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, Our brother Timothy tells us this, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training up in righteousness that we may become competent, equipped, equipped for every good work. Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter 6 about the word, how it, how it equips us for spiritual warfare. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's how you wage war with the enemy when he convicts you and he's trying to condemn you. That's what we see Jesus do in his, in his temptation. He wars the enemy with the word. Jesus himself says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The author of Hebrews says, God's word is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul. It discerns our thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Isn't that terrifying? Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with it, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. And one of my favorites, Jesus himself, tells us in Matthew 22, 36, 38. He had somebody come to him and he asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? This is what Jesus had to say. He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your 
mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we want to be devoted to the Word of God at Safe Haven. This is where we want to plant our feet as a church. Why? Because in these pages, it is life-giving and it is life-transforming. It's in these pages that the Lord meets with us and stirs our affections for Him. Why? Because these pages, page after page from Genesis to Revelation, screams of His covenant love for His people. He, he works within us. But for us to, for our, to be transformed by the Word, we have to be devoted to diving into the Word. We have to be devoted to study. Why? Because our hearts cannot love what our minds do not know. That's just true. And so, the, our minds, are, it's the seat of the heart. It's where our attentions are birthed. It's where our choices are chewed through and gnawed through. It's, it's in our minds that the, the Lord meets with us and stirs us through His Word and builds up this reverence and awe for Him and this adoration for Him. And for us to pursue, our, pursue the Lord with our minds through being devoted to, to the Word is not just to pursue Him intellectually and enjoy Him intellectually. Yes, it is that, but it's not limited to that. It starts there, but then it, for its ultimate purpose, is for us to love Him and to worship Him and to serve Him with our lives. Head, heart, hands. And so that's what growth in the Word looks like. And so, here at Safe Haven, we offer some real practical ways to do that. We're about to get real practical here, okay? So, the way we're going to do this, we're going to look at these three things. I'm going to give you some real practical uh, things in 2022, how we can work through those things as a church. So, to that end, at Safe Haven, this is what we desire. We want you to study through the Scriptures on a personal level. So, what does that look like? Maybe it looks like the reading through the Bible in a year. McShane uh, plan. There's a million different plans, so don't think you have to go with this one. This is just an example if you didn't know of one. McShane offers a plan to take you through the Bible um, in a year. So it takes you through the New Testament and the Psalms twice a year and through the rest of the Bible once in a year. There are approximately four chapters to read per day um, in this, so that's an option. Um, You could also study through a book of the Bible in depth over the course of a year. Take the book of Psalms. Study the Psalms of Lament, the Psalms of Celebration. Dig into the Psalms. Buy you a Psalter. A Psalter is literally just a Bible with the Psalms in it. Dig into the Psalms. Spend a year in the Psalms. My brother Ray Ortland, that joker spent a year in Galatians. Six chapters a year. I don't know how, but he did. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, dig into the Word. Um, Get you a study Bible. Use Bible dictionaries. Get into commentary. Dig into the depths of context. Dig into characters, places, literary structure, themes. See the continuity of the gospel from beginning to end. Where is Jesus at in Leviticus? He's in there. I can promise you that. Find him. Dig into the scriptures. Check out this book. Living by the Book by... um, Howard Hendricks, it's a hermeneutics book. It's phenomenal. It gives you real practical ways for studying the Scriptures. Check that out. That's a resource that you could use. Um, not only do we want you to study the Scriptures personally, but we also want you to study the Scriptures communally. What does that look like? Be devoted, be devoted in 2022 to studying the text ahead of time before you show up on Sunday mornings. 
What would it look like for our church to not show up on a Sunday morning, for us not to show up malnourished from not being in the Word all week long, but rather it's the cheesecake at Southern Ale House, the spiritual dessert for us when we show up in here? What would that look like, man? Where we could explode in celebration of the Word because we've already been simmering on it all week long. What would that look like? Be engaged in equipping opportunities that we offer here at Safe Haven in 2022. Troy's about to be jumping into systematic theology, uh, diving into the doctrine of God the Father. Who is, who is God the Father? Are all gods the same? What is the Trinity? Have fun with that one. <laughs> um, that's kicking off here in a few weeks. Jump into that. This summer, we're going to dive back into the spiritual disciplines, spiritual formations. I'll be leading that on Wednesdays up here this summer. We'll dive into what, what is secrecy? What is submission? What does it look like? What is biblical confession? What do these things look like, disciplines that we are to grow in? Women. Mrs. Linda Baird is going to be leading a women's study, Genesis, uh, seeing Jesus in Genesis at her home on Tuesday evenings. What would it look like for you to get plugged into that, to dive into the depths of Genesis that we're studying through together corporately, encouraging one another in the process. Get with Linda if you want to be a part of that. Um, There is homework. She told me to tell you there will be homework. But hey, we're all about growing. Get on that homework. Get in there. Um, Marriage and conference uh, weekend with Ray Ortland. I don't know if y'all missed this. Ray Ortland is coming to this building off of Larry Lake Road in Northport, Alabama. That's crazy. If you know Ray Orland, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, come here for that. Hear him t- teach through the Scriptures. Proclaim the Gospel and its meaning for our marriage and relationships. Equipping conference in August. We'll be talking about um, gospel fluency. How to speak the Gospel to one another in our normal routines and rhythms. So we want you to grow personally. We want you to, to grow in the Scriptures communally. And we also want you to grow as a family. Deuteronomy 6. This is the Shema says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command to you shall be on your heart. You should, t- parents, hear this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Parents, you are your child's primary discipler. That is the framework that we see in the pages of this book. You are your primary, your child's primary disciple. Yes, generational dis- uh, ministries are a great grace. And I'm about to talk all about them here in just a second. But they are the gospel vitamin where you are the steak and potatoes, according to Scripture. Discipleship takes effort. It takes work. It takes effort. And he, I, look, I got two kids. I get it, man. I get it. Like, when I come home, it's easy for me to turn on Sesame Street and go get in that recliner and veg out while, my, while Big Bird and Cookie Monster and Elmo entertain my kids. I get it. But here's the deal. Elmo and Cookie Monster are not going to teach my kids the gospel. They're just not. And the gospel is the most valuable thing you can invest in your children. It is the most valuable, period. Not a sports team, not dance or ballet, not a car, not college education. Those, those are all great graces, and I hope my kids take part in all of them. But they wane, and they're fleeting, and they were intended to be that way. 
But King Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And he is worth every investment you will make in your kids. And so, pray with your kids. Read scripture with your kids. If your kids have been dedicated at this church, they have a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Parents, this will minister to you just as much as it will minister to your kids. I promise you. It walks through every book of the Bible and points to Jesus and how He is the King in every story. You're not slaying giants. You're not, you're not David. Okay, I ripped that off of Chandler, sorry. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so there, you, got that, you got that. Read the Scriptures with them. Um, dig into story time. If you have little kids like I do, Kevin DeYoung wrote this phenomenal book. Uh, it's called The Greatest Story, How the Snake Crusher Brings Us Back to the Garden. And from beginning to end, it follows the, the lineage of Jesus from, from, being, from Adam and Eve being cast out of Eden to him making all things new in the new heaven and the new earth. Dig into that. It's a great resource. Parents, if you have ever read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, they have just made one for children, and me and Piper are currently journeying through it. Literally, Heather can say, Dad, we, she, last night she was like, Daddy, we're going to read about little Christian tonight. And so this takes you through um, the journey of the Christian. What does the, the journey of a Christian life look like? Parents, this is a great resource. So uh, Pilgrim's Progress for Kids. I mean, there's a million different resources you could use. Tiny Theologians, they have different resources out there. I got these for our kids. It's uh, Christ at Center, Christ-centered summaries of the 66 books of the Bible you can walk through with your kids. A million different resources you can use. They're out there. Matt Chandler wrote a book called Family Discipleship. How do, you, how do you lead and disciple your family? There's a million different things. So take advantage. Just invest. Do something. Let your kids see you lead them in communion. And then the question comes, well, what if I don't have kids? Or what if my kids are all grown up and they moved out of the house? Psalm 145.4 tells us that one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Brother or sister, you have a unique opportunity to be a spiritual mother and a spiritual father to some child or an individual who would love for you to invest in them. They would love it. And so, what does that look like? Get Serve in our generational ministries. Speak and model the gospel to our kids. Best like, preach! You want to get some people plugged into kids. Our kids, man, our generational ministries are a grace. There is such a grace. Like we walk through verse by verse in here. Our kids' ministry walks from Genesis to Revelation three times. Is that right? From the time they start in our children's ministry to the time they get out. What a grace. And then they jump into student ministry where they start walking verse by verse through the books of the Bible. Get that out of here, man. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Get involved in kids. Teach them the gospel through the gospel project. Make crafts with them that point them to Jesus. Get involved with Austin and Beth and lead students. They meet up here on Wednesdays at 6.30. Come and share the gospel with our students. Um, Go on retreats. Go on uh, all the different things. Go throw access to the glory of God with them. And you know what you'll find as you teach and you invest in our students and our kids? What the Lord tended to do with me is He taught me through them. My investment in them led to him teaching me and discipling me through the students. What a grace. And so, get involved in that. So not only were they devoted to the Word, but they were also, the early church in Acts 2, they were devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. To the breaking of bread. Gospel growth happens through sacrificial communal living. They were devoted to the fellowship. 
We see in this moment in the early church, they were united in fellowship. So when we think of the gospel, we tend to think of the vertical uh, aspect of the gospel where Jesus came, he lived the life we couldn't, he died the death we deserved to die, he was crushed on our place, and he, he died, he rose, he rose again from the day, grave, defeating sin, defeating death on our behalf, and so we are reconciled by God's grace through the work of Christ to the Father. And generally our, our, our understanding of the gospel ends there. But when Jesus was also on that cross, something unique happened. And something that won't come to full fruition until glory one day. But he kicked into motion the, har- the harmonious unity and relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. The horizontal aspect of the gospel. And so, believer, get involved in community. This Greek word uh, for uh, fellowship is koinonia, which means joint participation, sharing, communion. It's this intimacy, this moment. And so keep in mind, the early church, they would have had thousands of people flooding into Jerusalem during this from different walks, different backgrounds, different preferences, I'm sure. But we see here in the book of Acts, they are united as one. And that's what gospel, the gospel does. And that's what gospel community is. It's unity in diversity. We can like different things. We can have different tastes. We can have different um, preferences. But we are all united as one in Christ. And that goes deeper than flesh, blood, bone, or team creed any day of the week. And that's the unique nature of the gospel. It builds a community, a modgepodge group of people pushing each other forward with gospel intent. But also, community is costly. We see in verse 45 that these early believers, they were literally selling their possessions and their belongings. They were distributing proceeds to any who had need. Now, contextually in action, you need to know this. It was a little bit easy for them to do this. Because when these uh, early Jewish Christians, they would have went home and they would have told their family, hey, I'm following after Jesus now. They'd be like, okay, you're out. And they would experience immediate familial abandonment. And so by God's grace, the church in this moment saw it as an opportunity to step up. And to step in and to fill that void by God's grace. Now in 2022, does, com- does gospel community look like that? In some parts of the world, absolutely it looks like that. In America, probably not. But, go- but gospel community is still costly. It is still very much costly. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your energy. It's going to cost you your home. It's going to cost you your dinner table. It's going to cost you your efforts. It maybe even cost you a bedspread. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can ask this guy right here after the service what I'm talking about. He's got a good story with that one. It involved kids putting stuff on his bedspread as they were having community group one night. So anyways, so we, and over the years in our community group, we've helped uh, people pay bills that have fell on hard times. We've, I have met with people in our community group at Waffle House at 2 a.m. for counseling and prayer and to bear one another's burdens. And it never fails with community. There will always be some that say, I don't have a need for community. Community groups, that's a, that's a 21st century church thing. Well, I don't need, I don't need that. I don't need, the, I don't need the gathering. Me and Jesus, we have our own thing. This own thing that you have formulated in your mind, in the words of Dr. Brian Borgman, is attempting to build a doctrinal skyscraper on a chicken coop foundation. It just does not hold up under the weight of Scripture. It just doesn't. 
If Jesus wanted his own thing, why in the world would he have intentionally sought out 12 men to spend his, la- his life with, to invest his life in, to share his life with, and to pour his life out for? And on the, in the same vein, why would he even go deeper with Peter, James, and John, his inner three, and to really pour into them if he wanted his own thing? <sighs> According to Scripture, here is how the own thing theology holds up. John chapter 13, a new command I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Romans 12, love one another with brotherly affection. Romans 15, instruct one another. Galatians 5, serve one another. Um, Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, always seek to do good for one another. James 5, confess your sins to one another. That's fun. Um, and pray for one another. First John 4, my brother John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. He goes on to say, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God's love abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. This is nowhere near an exhaustive list of scriptures that value community or point us to the need of community. I say all that to say there is no biblical framework for an isolated Christianity. There's just not. Eugene Peterson says community is essential. Scripture knows nothing of a solitary Christian. People of faith are always members of a community. And so at Safe Haven, we offer a, a couple of different opportunities and avenues for you to do that. We, we use a scriptural, uh, a scriptural framework where we have the masses, that is the gathering. We have, uh, uh, we have the 12, which is what we see as a community group. And then we have DNA groups that serve as that inner three. We use Jesus as the model. And so at, at Safe Haven, we offer community groups as families to belong to. It's where you share meals. It's where you eat together, share life, go to kids' birthday parties, walk through seasons of suffering together, celebration together. I remember walking through infertility and our, our community group would, would pray over us and weep with us and, and walking through with friends who had miscarriages, lost family members. They were there to support one another. And then when, when babies pop up, God blesses you with babies. You get to celebrate with that. It serves as a family. You go on vacations together. The list is endless. And so they meet at different weeks throughout the times. And on that back, ta- uh, back table, you'll find all these different cards of different colors. And in the words of Skittles, I invite you to taste the rainbow. Okay? Go check them out if you're not plugged in. Go, go, go see what they're about. Maybe one will fit better for your schedule than another. Maybe you mesh well with... You have the freedom... To go to all of them. Check them out. Get involved. We invite you to do that. Um, we also invite you to open up your home and launch a new CG. We need new CGs. We need new avenues and places, gospel outposts in Tuscaloosa and Northport for people to come meet with Jesus and experience the grace that I'm talking about here. We need them. Bad. And so I invite you to do that. And you might be thinking, well, oh, that means I've got to open up my home. It does mean that. Um, I got to, I got to keep it clean. I got to do all this. Let me, let me just, let me say this real quick. Our homes are a lot like us. They're works in progress. We're all messy up in this mug. We all have our mess. We're all a little rough on the edges. You know what I'm talking about? And with having little kids, (laughs) your homes are really rough around the edges. Um, I don't know who needs to hear this 
but the gospel frees you to have a messy home for people to come meet in and to meet Jesus in. You're free. You're free to do that. I'm thinking of Martha. She, she's, she's freaking out. Jesus is there. She's trying to clean up, make sure everything's perfect. And Jesus is like, hey, you want to come hang out with me? You're free. I mean, open up your home and invite your community to help you do laundry. There's an idea. <laughs> All right, number two, DNA groups. Uh, DNA groups offer, um, they offer us an opportunity to journey deeper into accountability. For me, it's the two brothers in the back, Tucker Hunter up there in the sound booth and T. Lee on the back. I meet with these brothers monthly, and they know where I am failing as a husband. They know where I'm failing as a friend. They know where I'm failing as a dad. And they meet with me monthly to pour the gospel into me and point me to Christ. And it is a great grace, and I do the same for them. So DNA stands for discover, where you discover uh, God's word together. You speak the truths of scripture into one another, where you nurture, you listen for the heart as people share where they're at, and then you act, you bear one another's burdens, and then you speak the truth in grace to one another. And I'm just going to be real. I have wanted to throat punch both of those brothers for speaking hard truths in grace that I have needed to hear. But I am thankful for that as well. You, we offer DNA groups for you to get involved in. They're the same gender, no more than three to four people, because it loses the luster of accountability if it gets too big. Um, so know one another's mess and then point each other towards Jesus. And number three, we invite you to be devoted to attending the Sunday gatherings faithfully. Why? One, because Scripture commands it. Hebrews chapter 10, let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but let us do it all the more as the day is drawing near. It's here in the gathering that we celebrate the Jesus within the context of covenant community to share in our God-given gifts that the Spirit has given us and build each other up in Christ. And it's through serving on Sundays that we get to rub shoulders in community with hospitality and kids and sound and worship and AV and arts through photos and videos This doesn't just poo and it happened. It happens through God's people using their gifts for gospel intent. And so I'd invite you, in all your seats, you had one of these different avenues for you to serve and to get plugged in and to experience the grace of community through serving. Check those out. Um, All that to say, there is no discipleship in isolation. Discipleship does not happen in isolation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it is in his book, Life Together, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christians, brothers, and sisters. Don't rob yourself of a grace. Experience community. And then lastly, so that we see that the apostles, the early church, they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to the fellowship, community. And then lastly, they were devoted to prayer. Gospel growth happens when we meet with the Lord through personal Spiritual disciplines. The early church was dependent upon the Lord. We see it all through the pages of Acts. Radical dependence upon the Lord. Begging for His presence. Begging for His provision. Begging for His kindness in the midst of their suffering. And we would all do well to look at our our brothers and sisters at the early church and, and grow in the disciplines that they were practicing. And a lot of times we tend to look at spiritual disciplines. Go ahead and throw that up, Tuck. We look at these disciplines and we see them as like a ladder to be climbed. If I just practice Sabbath, if I just do submission well, if I just do fasting right, if I, if I can finally get to the point of like the monk level of meditation, I'll really earn Jesus' affection there. And we see it as a ladder to climb to earn God's affection. And that's not what spiritual disciplines are in the least bit. 
Spiritual disciplines are not man seeking God. It's God changing man, God using man, and God making himself known to man. It's very much a God-centered and a God-energized work in us. And so we have different disciplines listed through Scripture, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a few, that, a few of the big ones. We have prayer. We meet through the Lord through intercession. Meditation, where we meditate on the Word of God and meet with Him in that. Silence and solitude. We see that Jesus' life and His disciples were marked of getting away, unplugging, experiencing the grace of the quiet to meet with the Lord. Uh, simplicity. What is it like to free ourselves from the things of this world, the things that hold us captive in the flesh to experience the Lord? What does worship look like, both corporately and individually? What does fasting look like? How do we, how do we um, starve ourselves from pleasures of the flesh to seek and experience the Lord through that rhythm? What is secrecy? How do we practice not, uh, not knowing, the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing? Um, what is study? How do we get into and study who God is through the Scriptures? What does submission look like? God, uh, uh, man to God. God uh, man submitting to God. Husbands submitting to wives. Wives submitting to... Uh, man submitting to women. Women submitting to man. Children submitting to parents. Uh, bosses submitting to employees. Employees submitting to bosses. There's a lot to say about submission in the pages of Scripture. Confession. What does it look like to confess our sins to one another? And then also to remind each other of the gospel in that. What does service look like? How do we serve with gospel intent. And what does gospel rest through the discipline of Sabbath look like? And it's through these disciplines that the Spirit molds us and shapes us into the image of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was the first one to practice these things. We didn't just make, the early church didn't make these things up. They just looked at the life of Christ. And so to that end at SHC, we invite you to practice the disciplines through Prayer and fasting weekend. Next weekend, boy, you can practice three of these bad boys. Prayer, fasting, and worship. So we invite you to get involved with that. Fast during the day and then break that fast through prayer and celebration and worship in the evenings. Johnny Eubanks, where are you at, brother? Johnny Eubanks, every fourth Saturday at the SHC office, he gets there with a griddle and makes breakfast for all you guys who wants to show up. And y'all pray together and you intercede for one another. Intercede for the church. Men's prayer breakfast, fourth Saturday. Get with Johnny on that. Uh, uh, experience the disciplines for the na- uh, through the nations. Um, corporate, we corporately intercede for brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. And I invite you to, to engage in that. Get involved with that. Um, and then also, Tucker led up this past week, go to practice the discipline of service by delivering furniture to internationals who are in need right here in Tuscaloosa. And make much of Jesus through that. Learn more about the disciplines. I invite you again to come learn more about the disciplines of uh, what is submission, what is service, what is secrecy, what is uh, simplicity this summer at our spiritual formations class. And I also invite you... To read up, man. If you don't, if you know me, I love some books, man. I love, these are my best friends right here. Um, and so, I invite you to read Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines. Phenomenal read on these. Uh, Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life is another great read. Uh, Dallas Willard. Um, renovation of the heart talks about how our hearts need to be re-centered and reoriented on God through these disciplines. And then Willard's protege, John Mark Comer, wrote Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, talks about how we need to unplug and how we're in this hypersensitive um, technological world that takes us away from these very things and it helps us to get us back to those things. So check those out. There's a million different things. And so to wrap up, I say this. 
I hope I give you, I've given you a framework for how you can grow at SHC in 2022. Um, and where we started, remember, whoo, goodness, remember that the goal of gospel growth is transformation. That's the goal. Our goal is not to just grow and collect knowledge. It's the end goal is transformation. And so I want to end with this story. It's funny how the Lord works uh, when you're preaching on something. Um, and so this, this past uh, week, I went to go get Heather and the kids a Chick-fil-A biscuit at the Christian Chicken. So, um, <laughs> and it was like 28 degrees this morning. And they had this poor woman out there collecting orders in the 28 degree weather. And those heaters were not working under the pavilion. She was freezing. So I'm doing my best to try to make this woman laugh <laughs> the best I can. Like, she's like, shut up, dude. Um, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to connect with her. And as I pull away, I give her my order. She says, hey, hold on a second. I feel like the Lord wants me to give you something. And at this point, I'm like, if I'm just going to be real, I'm like, eh. she's about to Joseph Smith me up with a pocket-sized Book of Mormon or something. It's about to get awkward. I'm going to have to evangelize in the Christian chicken parking lot. Um, and so she starts reaching out in her pocket. And I'm like, oh boy, where is this going? And she pulls out this. You don't be able to see it probably. It's this little vial. And when in the, in, inside this vial is a mustard seed. And Jesus had a lot to say about mustard seeds, um, specifically in regards to faith. And he says, all it takes is just the si- faith the size of a mustard seed. She didn't say any of that. All she said was, she had no idea what I did for a living or none of that. She's just a person to her. She said, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that he loves you and that he very much cares for you. And all it takes is just a little bit of faith to realize that. And as I'm pastored by this woman in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, 28-degree weather, pull away weeping. That's exactly what I have been praying for personally in 2022. That the Lord would allow me to understand that He genuinely cares for me and that He will provide for me and He is good. Don't just know the theology, believe the theology. And He used her... And her gospel growth had set a fire down within her that could not be held in. And what we see in the book of Acts, at the end of Acts 2, was this early church's spiritual growth. Man, come on back up. This early church's spiritual growth was leading to communal engagement in the Lord. And you know what the Lord was doing? He was adding daily to their number those who were being saved. And that's my prayer for you, church, in 2022. That we would be people, yes, who absolutely reach down deep and grow in the gospel depths. But we would also be a people who would be, while we're drilling down deep, that we would be transformed to be a church that reaches wide with the love of Christ and invite other people into this family. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father... What a grace to jump into your word. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for our church. 
that we would be a people who would be devoted to your word, that we would, that we would grow in it in 2022 individually, that we would take the effort, that we would disciple ourselves, that we would grow in community, that we would disciple our families in the word, that we would be a people who would engage in community, that we would dive into a community group family, that we would seek out accountability through DNAs, that we would, that we would grow through equipping opportunities. Lord, that we would be a people who are transformed and molded by you through the spiritual disciplines in 2022. Holy Spirit, would you do a work in us in 2022? Would you do a work in us right here, right now? Set a fire within us to propel us for a life of gospel growth and a life of gospel mission. We pray all these things in your name.